Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, okay. Welcome back to Talking Knicks. We had another week of Knicks basketball. Not our best week. Not our worst week. But I'm here with my good friend Tom. My friend Big Baby David and my brother Ken to talk about the Knicks with you. So hey guys, let's talk Knicks. All right, so the Knicks, as I mentioned, didn't have their finest week, but maybe we did. So let's let's start with that. How was your week, Tom? How was your weekend? Sounded like you had a good one from our group text. Hey guys, yeah, the weekend was good. My my wife was back visiting from visiting visiting her own home back from New Hampshire, where she's studying up at Dartmouth. Uh, but we had a nice time. We did a lot of climbing. I feel like I haven't talked about climbing on this podcast in a while. How long has it been? No, we. Uh, it's important we get back to the climbing. We got to get back to the climbing. This is we a climbing. That. I also, I've also really gotten into my latest obsession, which is basketball cards. Very big into basketball cards right now. I sold several from my childhood, um, netted me, a f- call it $400, uh, cl- closer to $500, and I spent that on more basketball cards. I'm, uh, I'm kind of hooked in this little hobby, if you will. So I, I got a Zion Williamson rookie card in really great condition. I got a Luka Doncic kind of rare card. Um, there are only 77 of them made. And I got my eye on a couple other kind of uh, a John Morant rookie, um, a Kevin Durant rookie. Got my eye on a couple other things here. So nice. just kind of a, a fun little side thing I'm doing here. Yeah, I just wish we didn't trade Zion for Anthony Davis. So you'd have a Zion rookie Knicks card. But unfortunately, we did. But that led us to the championship last year. So That's some revisionist history. It's worthwhile, I guess. BBD, how are you doing over there? Not too bad, you know. Hanging out, watched the foosball this weekend. Got some laundry done, which needed to happen. Uh, a lot of stuff that'll get covered in the what else is on. Um, Did you get a that, haircut? Just in general, doing well. Oh yeah, got a haircut on Friday. You know, I thought I was like a week away from really needing it. Um, like I could, I could have held out, but I was like, I don't know. I don't know how many more Fridays off I'm going to have, and I'm thinking about it. And my hair tends to be like, one day it's fine, and then I wake up the next day, and I'm furious about it. So, so I got it. I just got it done. Only person that that even complimented it at the office was Sam. Jake didn't even notice. So that was kind of sad. The preemptive haircut. Okay. It looks yeah. great. And that's why I brought it up. Yeah, it's a great-looking yeah, haircut, BBD. You. you look great, Jake. Thanks, guys. Needed this. All right, Kenny, on to you. How are you doing? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, most of what I did this past week and a half is going to be covered on uh, what else is on, but I'll let you know that I, I spent spent the last week with my, my parents uh, just hanging out. Um, i probably not going to cover this on what else is on, but I watched um, 
I watched some Jeopardy, which I haven't watched in uh, maybe a month because December was kind of crazy for me. Um, it's a little different without Alex Trebek. Uh, rest in peace to the the legend. Um, and I, I just don't know how I feel about it. Like uh, Ken Jennings is the the temporary guy, and I think they're going to have a bunch of other people do a temporary thing before they settle on a, a final guy in Jeopardy. But um, it's just not the same, you know. Yeah, honestly, I don't know why he died. What was he thinking? Yeah, it's selfish, really. That's a joke. Yeah. Don't cut that out. Cut that out. No cutting that out. R.I.P. Alex Trebek. I mean, I think that does. Well, how was your weekend, Greg? Right? How How is your weekend? What's your Wi-Fi name? I'm just doing okay. <laughs> from that, from the show, remember? Now I'm all right. I don't. Not much brewing over here. I'm in New York City. It's cold outside. It's like it's really cold about this. Have you guys seen this? You heard about this? It's gonna snow tomorrow. It's winter outside, and it's like unbelievably cold. I, I'm, I'm anti being cold, so I just hang out inside my apartment. So good, I guess, to answer your guys' question. I don't know. Yeah, winter's brutal. Can't really deal with yeah. uh, not doing stuff. Like winter is normally brutal, but like not being able to do other stuff indoors, extra brutal. You should get into basketball cards. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Get, get myself a Next hobby. Week. Next week will be a basketball card pod. Excited about it. So the Knicks this week. Let's let's hop onto them. But, so the Knicks. Before went. we jump onto them, I forgot that I told my girlfriend I would give her a shout out on this episode. So congratulations, Jenny. She just started her new job. Great job. You're doing great. Hey, shout out Jenny. Oh, shout out Jenny. My mom just ended her job. Did she take my mom's job? Where where did your mom work? I don't know. Probably, yeah. <laughs> Congratulations to Jenny. I think you could have found a better spot to do that than to just interrupt me. Yeah, I, I, I was supposed to do it in the Hey, How Are You's, but I got caught up on the Jeopardy thing and then lost it. Yeah, there's no so way I she had wanted to listen to We're all whole... proud of Jenny. All right. <laughs> she yeah. didn't want to listen to a whole Nick's podcast she, before the shout yeah, out, so she, I get that. Yeah, she wasn't going to make it to the end of to the, the what else is on. So I had to. I had. She to waited long enough for it to count as a listen. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Our biggest fan. <laughs> All right. So the Knicks this week didn't have their finest performance. They went one and two since we last recorded. Two on two in for the week. They we lo- we we already covered it in last week's pod, but they beat the Magic, and then they started this this new podcast week with a win over the the Warriors who have three championships in recent history. Um, then they just followed that up with a loss to the Kings, who don't have any championships to speak of in recent memory. And then they lost to the Blazers last night at, at 10 p.m. Game went into this morning, technically, 12.15 a.m. Eastern time, but they're on the West Coast, so I guess it didn't technically. I don't know. I don't know what the word technically means. <laughs> but... This game against the Warriors, we, we came out firing Reggie Bullock, sh- shooting threes in the first quarter. We put up a 40 spot in the first quarter, and we just continue on. You just assume the Warriors are going to make their run eventually, but it never comes. The, guy, the guys never came. <laughs> the perfect. girls never came. So, Euro yeah. trip, good movie. So we win this one, 119-104. I, I don't want to. 
give you the rundown on it all. So uh, this was R.J. Barrett's game, and we got an R.J. Barrett guy on this podcast. So, Tom, let's start with you. Yeah, I'm looking back at a tweet I sent during the first quarter of this game. I'm just going to read the tweet because that makes for good radio. It says, the Knicks came into this game dead last in fast break points with 6.8 per game. Now with 3.30 left in the first quarter, the Knicks have 15 fast break points led by R.J. Barrett, who's been really looking to push lately. And that was, I mean, that was huge. They finished this game with 19 fast break points. And like I said, they averaged just under seven per game. They were just looking to run in this one. And R.J. Barrett was getting out in transition. He looked really good, really confident. And that's what you want to see from him. Like he has to get out before the defenses are able to get set and just, you know, that's when he's at his best. He's able to create advantages. He's able to use his size and strength um, before the defenses get set. Because when the defense is set, RJ kind of has a harder time creating space. I know a lot of people like to use the term wiggle for like what he's lacking, his inability to sort of like get around people and maneuver around people. But he makes up for it with, I think, really good footwork and and just overall strength and he gets to his spots and he's been finishing a lot better around the rim this year than he was last year so i mean between getting to the bucket finishing in the paint and then his free throw shooting he was six of eight in this one and that's kind of been sort of i think the the norm for him all season he's been actually converting on his free throws so uh i mean this was he finished the game with 28 points five assists to just two turnovers only two rebounds which is really surprising for him considering how much he's kind of been cleaning up on the glass uh, this season, but overall, really a, a strong game for him, and it was exactly what you want to see. Yeah, and that's two rebounds. I think he's coming off a 2010 game against the the Magic, so that two rebounds was a little dip. And to add to that, he had the the two for three from the three pointers. This was one of his one of his good three point shooting games. You never know what you're going to get from three point range with with RJ, but we got the good one and it led us to the victory. I mean, on the other side, they were. They had Steph Curry, who was fun to watch, and I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Draymond Green, just getting ejected for for I don't know, yelling at talking to his teammates, yeah, yelling at James Wiseman. It was um, <laughs> not a deserved ejection. I think we can say that as a Knicks biased podcast that even in that situation, Draymond Green did not. Deserve to get ejected, but uh, they gave him his second technical, and uh, he hit the showers. That was it. It's already been rescinded by the league, I believe. Yeah, so he earned his first technical, and then on that second one, I think he was making a an entry pass to James Wiseman, which got lost in the, in the mix and ended up in a turnover. And then he was mad at James Wiseman, so he was yelling at him, and then the ref said, I'm not allowed to yell. Get out of here. And then everyone was just confused. But the Knicks were like, okay, we'll take this. Some good faces going right there. A lot of questions being asked. But this wasn't just a one-man show from R.J. Barrett. The Knicks' entire starting lineup put up double figures. We had Mitch going 8 for 11 with 18 points. Mitch is just dunking it all over. And just to chime like to in see. real quick on that, Greg, all 18 of his points came in the, in the second half. So he had zero going into halftime, um, and he just dominated in the second half. He looked like such a beast. He was just I – mean, Wiseman had no answers for him. He was just too – because Wiseman and, and Mitch are kind of similar players, it seems like, as far as just like their, their length and athleticism. I think Wiseman probably has more 
touch, but but Mitch is just is equally as athletic, and I don't think Wiseman's used to that. He's used to being like the the superior athlete in matchups, and and Mitch just took it to him. It was a great matchup for him, and uh, yeah, that's that's what you'd hope for. You know, Mitch I think struggles a little bit more against the guys who can stretch him out to three. Uh, I think uh, Vucevic was was an example of that. There have been some others. Um, I think Jokic uh, as well. I mean, he gives everyone trouble, but. Weissman, in, in general, like that prototype of player is what Mitch is kind of hoping to, to go up against, and, and he made the most of it. Yeah, we love to see it. And then an enemy of the pod, Alfred <laughs> Payton had himself a, a solid day as well, 15-5, and five, which, you know, I don't even he, know if we love to see that, but whatever. I mean, I think he still had plenty of detractors at the end of the game. Um, I think uh, Julius Randle... Was had 16 points, 17 rebounds, and nine assists. So he was one assist shy of a triple double. And RJ Barrett was sitting at 28 points. And uh, the last couple of possessions, Alfred Payton just decided to do it himself. And the fans are all like, nah, maybe give it to Julius Randle. He can pass it to RJ Barrett. Triple double, 30 points. Call it a night. Everyone's happy. But- yeah, and it seemed like both of those guys were kind of chasing that mark. And they could have done it together, too. Would have been nice. Randall just got that assist. Oh, and this is all ag- <laughs> this is all against a bunch of scrubs because the Warriors had cleared out their bench with a couple of minutes left, but Tom Thibodeau needing to secure the victory left his guys in. <laughs> so I don't know, I don't know what you guys thought of that. BBD, what did you think of it? Since we're trying to get these guys' minutes down, I mean that it's Tibbs. Like you can't pretend to be surprised by it i will say the one thing that sticks out in hindsight about the game circling back on rj briefly is like just how much of his damage was done in the first quarter because like 14 of his 28 points were there both his threes he hit in the first he was four of six from the free throw line it's like much more of what he did was very early in the game which i guess is when it really mattered but i just didn't notice it in the moment Felt Nick, like the whole game was really good. Knicks were up forty to thirty-one after that first quarter. So, yeah. forty points in the first quarter. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah, Barrett came out really aggressive. Came out really looking to push on every opportunity, which is not part of this like starting five's identity. That starting five plays so slowly. Peyton just walks it up every possession, um, and they don't create like you'd think with with like Mitch, especially being one of those guys who who. I think he's one of the few guys in the league who averages like two blocks and almost two. It's like 1.5 blocks and 1.5 steals or something like that, that they would, you know, create enough uh, turnovers to, to generate some offense in, in transition. But the Knicks don't do that. So the more RJ could do that, the better. Hey, man. So... I mean that's that's all the happiness we had for the week. Then we we moved on. I should we should mention that uh, Alec Burks came back after about a month month off for that Golden State game. Yeah, so he returned for that game and this next game against the Kings. He was not good to in those two games. He picked it back up against the Blazers later in the week. Fortunately for us, during those first two games, uh, Austin Rivers was injured, so. There was there was minutes freed up for Alec Burks with no questions asked. We got a, a little more of a minutes crunch later on in the week with the Blazers, which we'll get to. But 
We'll start with the the Kings game. Just uh, just one of those losses that hurts your soul. Not just losing to the Kings, but also just what was happening on the court. Tyrese Halliburton, the player we were all fairly high on um, in the draft, thought he was going to be gone by the time he got to us. And he was not. He was available. We picked Obi Toppin, which, you know, fine pick. We'll, we'll see how he shapes up. But in this head-to-head matchup, one of them looked like a future stud, and he was not on our team. That's, that's how I'll put it. So this Kings game was just a, a cat-and-mouse game the whole time. The Knicks were, were winning for most of it. Uh, they go into the third quarter. At some point when both teams are in the 60s, the Kings just took over and they, they never relinquished it. They won the, the second quarter, or they won the third quarter 27-18, fourth quarter 27-22. That's a 54-40 second half, which is bad. We're not going to win with that. Not a lot of production outside of our main two guys. Uh, Randall, just do, just being Randall, being the best player in the league, 26-15-4. and four. R.J. Barrett being his wingman, 21-7-3. I mean, those guys are pretty consistent. Um, consistently our best player. That seems to be every time I do these rundowns of these games, I feel like I'm just telling you R.J. Barrett's stats and Julius Randle's stats, which is a good thing. It's, it means we have two best players to, to, to point to. But it was bad, bad game. What did, what did you guys see? Tom, we'll go with you again. Well, I mean, a couple of things. I think that this game, there was probably the loudest noise from fans being like, this is when you have to stop playing Alfred Payton because it kind of crescendoed with the with the Portland Trailblazers game. But, I mean, quickly, only played 17 minutes. It's not like he was on fire from the field. He was just 3-9 and nine from the field, 1-4 of four from 3, had 8 points. Um, but... It's just the team plays better with him on the floor. Like there's just no, you can't really ignore it anymore. How much the how much smoother the offense is with him running the point because Peyton is just he's a walking record scratch. Every time the ball like there'll be great ball movement around the the perimeter, the guys will be dri- will be driving, kicking out, and then it'll get to Alfred Peyton with a three pointer, and he just sits there like I can't do. There's nothing I can do with this, and it, and it ruins offense possessions. It leads to a lot of turnovers. And, I mean, Peyton was a team worst, minus 15. I know the whole single game plus minus caveat we use, but, I mean, it, it adheres to the eye test. He, he's a problem with this, with this starting unit that, like, R.J. Barrett sure was two of two from three, but it doesn't mean the defenses are guarding him out there. Um, Randall missed all four of his threes in this one. The, the starting lineup was just two of... Was that five, six, two of eight, and two of the makes were from RJ Barrett from three. So it's just you need more shooting flat out. That's that's the, you know you could talk it up all you want. You need more shooting in that starting lineup. Quickly brings it as we saw in the in the Portland game, and Peyton doesn't. So I'm sure we'll talk more about that. But that's kind of I had to get that rant out because Peyton really just yeah. submarined so many possessions in this game that I had to had to bring it up here. Yeah, yeah. We can, uh, on the flip side of the Alfred Peyton being team low minus 15 quickly was a team high plus six um and again the single game plus minus stuff but just it matched the eye test 
Peyton has, we've known for two years, he's been a pretty unremarkable, not fun watch. Um, this year it's particularly bad because it, it does feel like we have another option right there. And, and again, it'll, it comes to a head in the Portland game. but Well, and that's the thing. It's like Alfred Payton actually does do a decent job of getting into the paint, of like driving. And when he's aggressive, he can really get to the rim. But the problem is in that starting lineup, R.J. Barrett also does that a lot, and he's much better at it. Like Julius Randle, same thing, is way better at getting to the basket than Alfred Payton. And then Mitchell Robinson's already down there. Like he's just, he's lurking in the dunker spot the whole time. So you kind of only have Reggie Bullock as this guy who's supposed to be spacing the floor for that group. He was 0 of 1 from 3 in this game. It, it doesn't work. Like, flat out doesn't work. So that's why I just... Presumably everyone else can also do those things better with somebody else on top of them just being better than Peyton at those things. Point. I point. mean, just, just from a fit perspective, it makes more sense to play. And then you'd have Alfred Peyton's ability to get to the rim in a lineup with Kevin Knox and... You know, we'll see if Burks continues to come off the bench um, or Austin Rivers, but like there's just we more. Obi Toppin as a floor spacer off the bench too. So exactly. So it just it makes more sense so, to me to have Peyton coming off the bench with that group and quickly in with this group uh, that needs the space in the with the starters that need the space. But you know, Thibodeau doubled down whether it was today or last night. I don't. I'm not sure, but saying that he likes Peyton with the starters and that kind of like was end of discussion that's how he feels about it so I don't think I don't expect to see a change coming up it's just it, I think that quickly is going to make it very difficult for for Thibodeau to be able to justify that decision making and I'll I'll say that I like quickly with the second lineup um, just because it gives him more of the option to show off his offense and shoot the ball a little more I think he, if he was in with the starters then you know he, he would be a floor spacer and not as much of well, hopefully not as much of an attacker, but you have you know, more high-usage players like Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett um, initiating a lot of the offense. So it, it kind of takes away from what he can do if you put him in the starting lineup. But at the same time, I do not like have it, having Alfred Payton there just because, like you said, there's no spacing uh, with just Reggie Bullock out there as a shooter. Um, I don't know what the solution to that is because we don't have any other options. Like maybe if... I know I'm the Frank guy, but maybe Frank comes back if he's healthy. He can like stand in the corner and shoot threes, and RJ and uh, Randall can can handle the ball and he can play defense. But like, I I just don't know if that's the solution. And, like, I, I, and Alfred Payton's gonna get get his minutes either way. Hopefully not I, as many. Yeah, minimum. There's got to be. I start seeing a pretty substantial shift towards quickly, at least from a pure minutes standpoint. I do like the fit of quickly with the second unit because you do get to see him kind of do his thing, which is, which hey, is fun. And I suppose in theory, long term, realistically speaking, I, we, we probably see quickly on a good team being a bench guy. This isn't a good team, so let's just play him as much as possible. And uh, to, uh, you know, for the for argument's sake, for Tibbs as far as starting Peyton, you know, once you make that switch to quickly you really can't go back um not that i think you should but like you lose the option which kind of sucks and i mean there have there have been a few stretches like quickly's looked mostly very good and in this last game he looked extremely good but there have been a few stretches where he hasn't looked good 
and he'll end up not really playing in the fourth quarter in those games. So I'm not really sure how you juggle all that because he is still just a rookie and you know you want to make sure that he keeps his confidence. That being said, there's been stretches where Alfred Payton doesn't look good and then he just plays the fourth quarter too. So. Yeah. But we don't just we don't care about Alfred Payton's confidence. Exactly. So I don't know. It's, it feels like we kind of have this conversation every single week, and uh, you just you just wonder how much time Alfred Payton bought himself with that one absolutely perfect game when he dropped twenty seven <laughs> points after those first two clunkers to start the season. Everyone was calling for his head after two games. Then he he just threw a perfect game. Then bought him like a week and a half of goodwill, and then. And then we started slowly turning, but we're still not where we were after the second game of the season. We'll be there next week, I'm pretty sure. We're getting so, there very we're getting there very quickly. <laughs> if I if I can one more thing about this game that we touched on very briefly, but I, I, I kinda I feel like we gotta discuss it a little more, is that this was the game where there was the most chatter we've had this year about like being fans being upset that the Knicks passed on Halliburton and being upset with Obi Toppin and and all that and I mean hey I get it I didn't really like Obi pre draft I also thought the Knicks were gonna like trade up to get him so I was soured on him on draft day and I said some mean stuff that feels right but <laughs> uh, but but that's not look look in hindsight it feels like Halliburton would have been a nice pick for us but also. Like I don't, I think people are allowed to be upset about not having Halliburton without having given up on Obi. They're not like mutually exclusive thoughts. But with that said, Obi hasn't given us much to get excited about. But he does make like two plays a game that that you're like, oh, I, that's cool. Yeah, I think I mean, all, all we can react like to, to is what we've seen. Like it's all we can comment on is like what's actually happened on the court. And yeah, like Halliburton is clearly. He has great basketball instincts. He's he, he looked great against us. I mean, there was the one play where I think he had like two steals in the last call it five six minutes on RJ. Like RJ, he just kind of baited RJ into these these turnovers, and they're at crucial points during the game. Yeah, Halliburton's got a super high basketball IQ and and clearly some skills to go along with it. Um, meanwhile, Toppin, it's it's been a little worrisome. Like you, you see him. I'm certainly not giving up on him. I, I, you don't do that with a kid who's played, you know, a hundred minutes or whatever in the NBA. But he doesn't. Right now, it seems like the game moves so fast for him. Like he doesn't have any moves. Every time he gets the ball, if he's not just taking a, a three as a floor spacer, he's just putting his head down and driving, unless he's catching a lob. So like those, that's that's at his best is when he's catching lobs. But otherwise, he's just doing a straight line drive to the rim and he's he's getting blocked by smaller players. He just there's no kind of secondary move and no like you know it, it's it's just problematic to me because yeah. He he came in touted as this most NBA ready guy and it's kind of felt like the game is just moving a million, you know, miles an hour for him and he can't seem to catch up with it. So Hopefully, I mean, I'm I'm confident that it will change over time as he gets more minutes, but that's just the state of affairs right now. Yeah, and he, he um, is 
he is very early in his career, and he missed the most of the beginning of the season with an injury. So, like you said, his minutes are very low. Um, every once in a while, he'll do something cool. Like, and he's he's one of the few guys that I've seen on our team who gets buckets off of like back cuts and things like that, which is a positive. Um, there's been a few plays where he's done something very acrobatic, which is cool. Um, a lot of them haven't fallen yet, but again, he's rusty, so I'm I'm willing to give him some time. But yeah, it was a little discouraging to to see just how good uh, Halliburton looked, both offensively and defensively. In the head-to-head matchup, when Obi Toppin was touted as a, the guy who's supposed to be the most NBA ready, and he has looked anything but with that said he hasn't he hadn't played since early March because the season was cut short and the Knicks obviously didn't regroup until whenever and he was hurt for a while so he's played very few minutes in the last calendar year um but for him to to look anything but NBA ready while Halliburton who well, one just looks abundantly comfortable on the floor but also like the line on him coming out, like the narrative was that like, he, he can't really help a bad team right now, like immediately. And I don't know, he's helping out the Kings quite a bit and, and they're not good. They have a worse record than the Knicks. So yeah, I feel a little duped. Sad to see. And it it hurts the most when the, but OB seems very nice. Like we say, hindsight's 2020, but when the hindsight matches the foresight, I think at the time we were, we were high on Halliburton. So, Seeing him succeed is is tough. It's it's not like us saying, "Oh, can't believe you picked Frank over Donovan Mitchell" when that wasn't even really an option. This is like barely we, discussed as an option. We we should have, or not, we should have. We could have picked Halliburton very very easily. But in this game, he was, oh, he was mocked to us several times, and yeah. I'll, I'll go hand up. I I I personally. Wasn't a huge Halliburton guy in the draft in the pre-draft process, so I'm not trying to be the guy complaining about it because I kind of have no right to do it. I think I was a big Halliburton guy. I don't know. I don't remember if if you're listening. I thought he was you... fine. I think I called him like the most. I think I said he'd get like no reaction one way or another from me. Turns I'm gonna have liked him. I think. Yeah, I'm gonna assume that I was very high on him. And if you um, listen to the previous pods and find out that's the case, let me know. If you find out that's not the case, just completely ignore it and pretend that it is the case. Uh, because I like Halliburton. Definitely like yeah. him now. I mean, in this game, Obi wasn't bad. I mean, he played 12 minutes. He was cutting around. He had two dunks, which were both highlight reel worthy. So that was good. I mean, he also, like Tom said, sometimes he'll just put his head down and throw the ball into the bottom of the rim which isn't what you want but that's that's uh not the best but i think was this the game where i think he had a very very bad air ball yeah probably yeah because it wasn't last night it wasn't last night so he definitely airballed a three but it was an assist not in the stat book but someone caught it and just put it right in yeah so i mean he's he's helping the team win with his air balls and and whatever he's up to, I mean, well, the rest of the team. This wasn't our best performance. I'll I'll say, it kept. It felt like we could beat the Kings. We were right there the whole entire time. We get close, and then we were just not ever actually finish it off. But quickly here, uh, eight points off the bench. 
Burks was three for 14 off the bench. I mean, the real storyline, Tom had mentioned this, our, our starters were bad at shooting threes, but the entire team as a whole was five for 22 from the three-point line and 17 for 25 from the free throw line. Kings, on the other hand, were 12 for 34 from three-point land. So that's 21-point differential from three-point line in a in a nine-point victory for the Kings. So good for them. Yeah, and Greg, I mentioned in the last game against the Warriors, the Knicks had 19 fast break points. In this game, they had zero. They they got they had zero fast break points to the Kings 15. So there's a when you have that kind of point differential on, from the three point line, and then also with in transition, like that's that's a recipe for losing right there. Kind of lucky it was as close as it was, but you know that this is just an example again of the, the Knicks not pushing the ball, not creating turnovers or at least the turnovers they do create aren't leading to easy buckets on the other end so that's a problem like this Knicks offense in the half court is not good enough where they can just kind of rely on their their half court sets and their pick and roll game like no they have to get out and run in transition and try and and attack the basket before defenses get set because once they are set that we've seen what happens and and the Knicks can the the fact that the Knicks failed to to break 100 points this is against a Kings team that by several metrics, has been playing the worst defensive basketball in the history of the league. Their defensive rating was the worst in NBA history leading into this game, and the Knicks couldn't break 100. I mean, that kind of says it all right there. Like that, The, the Knicks had, should have been pushing the ball on, on rebounds, on any steal, anything like that, and getting out there before the Kings were able to set up their terrible defense that the Knicks still couldn't score on. Yeah. And the one fun thing that happened in this game was Julius Randle just bullying Marvin Bagley. <laughs> just the entire game, he insisted on getting the ball just so he could go at Marvin Bagley. And Bagley ultimately followed out of the game. Um, and Julius Randle, as I mentioned, put up a stat line. So it was fun to watch him be assertive and uh, really banging the post because we've been seeing him uh, out and about running the, the point forward position, LeBron style, but a little bit better. Yeah, and I'm not sure what happened between them because Julius Randle was playing pissed off and uh, him and Bagley just like, they kept on jawing at each other and then Randle just made him look like an idiot. Yeah, it's, it seemed like one of those things where one of the guys was like really mad and the other guy was like, I, I have no idea what's happening right now. <laughs> And it was fun. <laughs> uh, that that leads us to this last game of the week, which was bad for the most part until the fourth quarter when we got a little interesting. But when you go down by 20 points at halftime and you go down by 25 points in the third quarter, you're probably not going to win. <laughs> the Knicks put that theory to the test and they failed. But they came closer than some would expect. So the, the Blazers came out firing. They were just hitting every three-pointer. Damian Lillard started out 8-for-8 eight eight from the field. Derek Jones Jr. put up tied his season high with with 10 points in like the first eight minutes or something. It was, it was just bad. Bad start. 37-24 after one. Knicks give up a 70 spot in the first half, going to halftime losing 70-50. to 50. The Blazers, almost the entire game, if not the entire game, 
were just playing a zone defense against the Knicks, and the Knicks just did not know what to do until about halfway through the third quarter when they finally got something going. But wasn't enough. They got the lead down to four or five with uh, about six minutes left. But from there, she's kept getting closer and closer. Got it down to about four with, with under a minute left. Um, the, the the comeback at the end was actually pretty crazy. It seemed like the Knicks, the, the Knicks were just forcing all kinds of turnovers. Um, Julius Randle had one where he just slapped the ball out from behind the guy and it led to a fast break. Uh, another turnover, some guy just threw, decided to throw the ball directly over Robert Covington's head. Everything seemed to be going the Knicks' way, so it looked like got us thinking, hey, maybe we can actually make this insane comeback. But when they were down four with about 30 seconds left or so, and the shot clock got down to seven, it seemed like the refs were anticipating a foul, so they just called fouls on the Knicks, and uh, that put Mello at the line, who iced us away. And uh, the Knicks did a lot of fouling in that last 30 seconds. They extended this game for a long time. Um it's crazy. Yeah. Like Mello hit like four. Lillard hit like four. And we just kept coming down to the court and going for a quick two until the Knicks finally decided to go for three and uh, quickly did a little rip through and got the call for a three-point, three shots, which uh, he got the veteran call. That's that's not even allowed. That's, that's not even a shooting foul anymore. But when you're a star like quickly – you drop 21 points in the fourth quarter and 31 on the game. People love you. So, Kenny, it looks like you're, 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 you're excited over there to talk about quickly. Yeah, and I think you just took the, the stat that I was going to say, which was he scored quickly scored 21 in the fourth quarter and went three for five from three. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it. It was on, on the Reddit earlier today uh, that – after he hit that, um, I'm sure maybe you even saw it during the game yesterday, but after he hit that shot, uh, there was some some talk between him and, and Dame Lillard. Uh, unclear what was said, because I'm not John Boy and I can't read lips, but um, I think Lillard was a little upset that he got that call and uh, quickly was kind of laughing him off, which was which is fun, because Dame Lillard's you know one of the best in the game, and uh, Emmanuel Quickly is a guy who... Throughout this season, has you know taken guys' moves and used them against him. We saw the same thing with Trey Young. So exciting stuff. Uh, happy to to see quickly do what he did. It's fun. That was the, that was the the fun part of the game. Yeah. We're big quickly guys, and I, mean, I know he finished with that thirty one, but he he missed some some easier shots. I know there was there was a sequence when he. Missed a layup or a floater, got his own rebound, and then missed another floater from point blank range unguarded just because he was ner- nervous when he was the little man amongst the trees in there. You'd think you got to throw it up real quick, but he threw it up a little too quickly. Ooh. Man, it, it's it's kind of unfortunate that that's his last name because that's just, <laughs> that's just a word we want to use. You want to use it without a pun, but it's, it's going to be there the whole time. Yeah, it's going to be a long career. I'm glad Peyton's last name isn't a pun for meaning something terrible. Otherwise, Someone we- tweeted at me that you pay <laughs> a ton when he's in the game, but I didn't like that very much. So That's, that's not bad. <laughs> that's, not, that's pretty funny, actually. 
Okay. <laughs> you, you dig that one. That's um, pretty funny, actually. I would say for this one, one of the storylines, I mean, quickly was obviously the headline, but uh, Alec Burks making his triumphant return to actually good play. He finished the game with 18 points. He started this game. Um, he started because... Who, Reggie who Bullock in was injured. Bullock is injured. Thank you, Kenny. Um, so, yeah, he played 27 minutes, had 18 points, five of eight from three. And, and in the third quarter, like he's the one who kind of shot them back into it um, before quickly made that run in the fourth quarter. You know, it should be noted that actually quickly didn't play a single minute in the third quarter. That's kind of bizarre that Peyton played all 12 of those minutes despite having been very solid in that first half. Thibodeau really ran with, with Peyton in that third quarter. Um, but despite that, Burks just hit a bunch of threes, got him kind of back in the ball game. And then one last thing I'll, I'll say about it is that R.J. Barrett in this one was kind of a non-factor, especially in the first half. In the second half, he got a little bit more involved, but he was just he was not aggressive in this one. I think it might have been the zone kind of scaring him off a little bit. He wasn't sure how to attack it. He finished with just eight points, um, two assists, four boards in 23 minutes. He didn't. He really didn't play in the fourth quarter until I think the last. 10 seconds or whenever Randall fouled out. So Barrett essentially didn't play in the fourth, which was bizarre because in his place was Austin Rivers, who I'm sure we could talk about that in a moment, probably didn't earn those minutes. But it's not like Barrett was playing great, but I think he would have been a better fit in that final uh, crunch time roster than Rivers was. But again, Barrett just wasn't attacking in that first half, and maybe that's kind of what sat wrong with Thibodeau and that's why he didn't get those minutes to end the game yeah and it was, felt like it was, the first time we didn't get like a game on either end of the extreme from RJ in a little bit I mean he's had some like just fine games too but the first time he had just like it was just like the weirdest game he's had that wasn't like he sh- just couldn't hit a shot he just wasn't taking shots in the first half and then like got benched because of it in the second half yeah, it's it, it was, it was weird it was weird to see Austin Rivers in there because he, he only hit one three-pointer in the game. He had three points in the game. It's not like he was lining it up. And um, it's not a defensive stud. He was just pretty much there seemingly because the guy next to him was hot. Um, so you just keep going with the hot hand. When you got a lineup that's making a, a comeback like the Knicks were at that point, you don't want to change anything. Um, so they just went with... With the lineup, mostly not because he was doing well, but because the lineup was doing well. Yeah, and I'm I'm fine with that. If I'm being honest with you guys, they were down 20 at halftime, and uh, R.J. Barrett plays entirely too many minutes. So if they want to run with you know a bench lineup that makes a strong comeback, I'm fine with that. Like let this this can be R.J.'s rest game. Yeah, it worked. Yeah, not losing sleep over it. And I don't want to defend Rivers' defense too much because I think that he's actually just a straight-up really bad team defender. I think I said that in the last podcast as well. But one-on-one, when you tell Rivers, like, don't worry about help defense, just line up on Dame Lillard and just hound him the whole time. I mean, Lillard was unconscious in that first half and to start the third quarter. But I feel like Rivers, I mean, it wasn't like boxing one style, but he was just up in his jersey the whole time. And he's a very competitive guy. He's like super prideful. Um, I thought he did an okay job on Dame to end the game. But offensively, he wasn't bringing a lot. He wasn't shooting the ball well. He also just wasn't really 
aggressive enough, like getting into the paint, kicking out, creating offense for others, which is what you need from him. So he was, he was, you know, RJ would have been really nice on the offensive end. Um, but defensively, I thought Rivers was fine, like in that very specific role. In general, I think he's been very, he's actually been kind of a net negative defensively. Um, so I don't know. I, I could see him getting fewer minutes, especially now that Burks is back. And hopefully as Frank gets healthier, he can steal some of those Rivers minutes. But from what we've seen, it doesn't seem like Thibodeau has all that much faith in Frank. And I mean, I think that Rivers is, uh, I mean, I think I haven't been paying too much attention to his help defense, so maybe he's he's an atrocious help defender. But I think as an on-ball defender, he's been pretty good. Um, I mean, I know he had some trouble with Trey Young, uh, just because Trey Young doesn't really play basketball, as Steve Nash will tell you. Uh, but other guys, he's 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 been solid, and I'm I'm not I'm not uh, you know against his his one on one defense. So I, I think mean, you're you, being a little hard on on him. Is my my general takeaway there? I mean, you wonder how we would feel about Rivers if he didn't throw up that perfect first fourth quarter. We're we're slaves to to singular performance that really really stick out in your mind. The what Alfred Payton Alfred Payton game. That won us a game. The Austin Rivers fourth quarter of legend where he just took over down the stretch. Just hit every three no matter from where it was. That's still fresh in our mind despite how long ago it was. So Tom's the only one who's who's over it. Well, I just I, – I kind of am. Like I think that his – to Kenny's point, I think his on-ball defense is actually fairly solid, which I, I said with the uh, – you know, if you tell him don't worry about help defense, sure, but – when he's off ball, he loses focus a lot. He gets beat back door a bunch, and his help defense just isn't what you want. So I think, like in a team defensive scheme, he is not a plus defensive player. But if you need him to just like one on one, take some pride and get into a guy's jersey, whether that I mean Trey Young it didn't work out as well, but Dame, I think you can make the argument for why he was out there. Yeah, and I'll I'll, I'll go. I'll move on to some quick hitters from this one. Uh, we haven't haven't heard this in a while, but we got Nwabit again by uh, Anthony Simons. Just came in, was just hitting whatever he wanted. Four for six from three, 16 points in 23 minutes. Just, uh, just a scrub, but the CJ McCollum's out for a little bit. Nurkic is out for a little bit. So they're, they're just bringing guys in. I mean, they drafted this guy last season. I think he, he's one of those guys who went from high school to somewhere else, not college, and then opted into the league. Supposed to be a good ath- athlete, good shooter. Didn't do much last year. Trying to find his way into the lineup. And uh, tonight he, sh- he shined against the Knicks, fortunately for us. And then on also on the Blazers, our good friend Carmelo Anthony was – he was really going for it. He was he was really trying to take revenge on on his former team. He seemed really motivated, but he was just not doing a very good job. He he was three for fourteen in this game, ended with twelve points, which were a few free throws down the stretch put him over the double digit double digit line. But other than that, he he was he was, he was actually kind of sad. But you know. Still my boy. It's cool to see him with cornrows again. Happy to see him. Then on our side, um, 
We got to mention Kevin Knox. He, did, he didn't do anything this game. He scored two points, which were both free throws. But his shot looked good. He had he had one really, really rim out. Like, it went in and out. Um, missed a two, up, other couple two close ones. And then there was one where Alec Burks kicked it to him, but Alex Burks continued on, and the charge was called. But he hit that one after the whistle. So so I'll count that for him. So he was one for one for four on the day. And this game is actually tied. Ties the game for us. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And then last but not least, Obi Toppin. Was, he played in this game. Uh, he still looked like he was doing the Obi Toppin thing. But one play in particular, he did a little dribble drive with a pull-up jumper that he hit, which was looked pretty. I mean, I don't know if you guys watched the game, but they showed this jumper from a bird's eye view, which looked Literally the worst camera view you could possibly show. For live action, specifically. Live action. I, rem- I remember. And it, it, was, it was, I was, I didn't even know what was happening. I was like, was that- I think I thought it was someone else who hit that because I don't remember Obi Toppin hitting a pull-up jumper. I, I think I assumed it was somebody else because the angle was so bad. Yeah, it was Obi Toppin. He, he I got to go back and watch that. He got it on yeah. the right wing, took a couple dribbles, and then he pulled up, hit a nice smooth jumper. But you couldn't tell because it was... Straight top down. of his head. It was Straight like down. it was kind of the ultimate like no 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 yeah moment because if you were able to point figure out that it was Obi attempting that, that does it on its own. But also the camera angle really pisses you off and puts you in a bad mindset going into that play. So it did, it did hurt. And then I was like, oh, that, uh, fine. And then like in hindsight, hey, cool that Obi did that. Yeah, and I'm a big. Big proponent of complaining about committing to the terrible camera angle. They they do that tw- twice a game, every game, where you just they go with the wrong angle for way too long. They're like they'll have the angle like the player's shins and just yeah. be like way too low, and and the possession's wrapping up. And it's like, all right, guys, get back to the normal one. Like even like there's two seconds on the shot clock. You could switch it back. I wouldn't mind. No, we, I don't need to see this play out at this angle. Not, There's a reason the normal angle is the normal angle. Exactly. We, like guys, we perfected it in the first like 30 years of televised basketball. Exactly. They like, want to show off their like, I don't know. Glad you have that for replays. Right, they've got it in the bag. They just kind of want to show off all, everything they can do, all their stylistic maneuvers. But we don't care. That's we don't. I care. I have never understood that. Because like BBD said, there there's the one angle that everyone's used to and everyone appreciates watching. And like, why would they use any of the other angles during the actual broadcast? I understand it for, for watching replays because sometimes different angles are fun on replays. But like, it's just annoying. And like a part of me is like legitimately uncomfortable with any angle other than the normal angle. That's fair. I get like really upset with like some college games. Like the like ten times a year I tune into a college game live, and if it's like one of the times where they have like kind of that overhead angle, I think like Duke's pretty bad with it, which is pretty annoying during the Zion year because that's the year I tried to watch a lot of Duke games. It's like, why do you guys have that angle? <laughs> you can get another camera, really. I just, like 
Is it because that's the perfect angle that it's more comfortable, or is it just because we've gotten used to that? Because like, other angles, like I don't know. I think having the the ability to see the entirety of the half court, to be able to make out all the players and to see all of the action, like that's the goal, right? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if, if we have any other big topics to talk about. I know we have Do you a guys... lot of television to talk about. But before that, I'll, I'll just mention that I think technically Frank Nielakino was available in this game. That's what I was about to say. But, you know, you just Damian Lillard if, was Damian Lillard also. If we're still waiting for him to just be healthier. But, I mean, I guess maybe they were just doing this since the entire time that he was out. I have no idea. So as as we were talking, I was looking into when Frank was coming back, and I did see there was an article in the New York Post that said technically he was available for the last game. Uh, Tibbs said that he's going to be situational to go to start out with. His um, his cardio isn't there yet, and he's going to be progressing. Kind of the same thing they said about Obi Toppin when he was coming back. They said he's got to go, you know, three on three, then four on four, then five on five, and then they said that about Obi before he could. He would be active, and then he was active the next game. So I don't, I don't know what it means. I don't know what any of this means. Yeah, it was sure. when Obi played those fifty-seven seconds. So we didn't even get to see that from Frank in this one. Yeah, next game is fifty-seven second game. That could have been the difference here with the three-point game too. Yeah. yeah. This also the, mentions um, that Frank's last game was the blowout win over the Bucks, and he went four for four from three in that game, according to this article. Should have retired. Good game. Should have retired after that. Go out on top. The 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 one last thing I gotta say about this one, uh, Anthony Simons. I think the the Blazers do actually like him quite a bit, um, which makes sense. He's in, he's the first time pick on him like two years ago. Uh, but he, he's just the youngest looking person I've ever seen, <laughs> and I understand what I look like. But that this is the youngest looking kid on earth. From a guy called I can't Big believe, Baby. Like, just watching him is really confusing how he's out there and i know it's a young league in general but he truly sticks out how young he looks his, like his good mom, for you man that'll pay his, off one day his mom dropped him off and brought oranges <laughs> for halftime <laughs> <laughs> they worked so we need one of those little guys you guys did you guys ever figure out what randall was talking about with uh that technical yeah, how Randall said after the game that the refs came up to him afterwards and were like, it was when he got called for a flagrant on the floor on a on a free throw attempt. It was like in the last, call it 10, 12 seconds of the game, right? Like 16 and seconds, yeah. 16 seconds. Enos Cantor appeared to push Randall's fist into Robert Covington's face. And on the floor, they called it a flagrant. They went back and reviewed. It was discharged to a common foul. And then that that was actually Randall's sixth foul, I think, and they fouled him out. Yep. Um, so. But then Randall, after the game, said that, oh, the refs came up to me and said that they made a mistake, and actually it should have been two shots for me plus a technical, so a third free throw, and we would have tied the game. You know, I, I don't know what Randall was talking about. I was watching but- live, and I don't recall anyone even suggesting that. <laughs> Randall, yeah. was, Randall should like receive a foul. Like everyone agreed live. Like, oh, he got like kind of pushed into punching Covington. Don't think he should be get a foul. 
I don't think he should be charged with a foul, but he certainly shouldn't be charged with a flagrant because no way they were down by three in the waning seconds. And he just decided to punch Covington in the face <laughs> when nothing else was happening. I like the strategy <laughs> yeah. of like going to reporters after the game, though, and just being like, actually, the refs told me and only me that they made a mistake and we won this one. So, <laughs> <laughs> Might want to put that one in the record books. Put that in your paper. I, I, I just wonder what he would have said if they were down four, you know? And then they would have it was a clear path. And you, you missed a clear path too. There were get two separate technicals. What would the possible technical have been? Is what I don't understand. So we don't. First off, we don't know what the foul would have been. Second off, we don't know what the technical would have been. The foul would have I been guess pushing Randall's arm into Covington's face. So okay. the, the the arm push is the foul, and then the technical. I guess if you if it turned for being out, mean, he was kind of mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they figured probably out yelled the, at his teammate or something. Was intentional. I choose to believe Randall. Yeah, we should we should sure, mention that the stolen. Yeah, we should mention that the NBA in the two minute report said that they made the correct call of a foul on Julius Randall, which makes his statement sound a little questionable. I still believe him. I mean, I believe him. It's a conspiracy. I, I believe him. Yeah. I think the refs are Stop the hiding behind the NBA. I think the two-minute report was just a bunch of typos. Yeah. All right, what else is on? What else is on? <laughs> should, we, should we make the predictions first? Should we do that? Ah, the, come on. Everybody's Man. favorite segment. Everybody's second favorite segment, the, the predictions. So the Knicks this week are going to start it off against the Jazz, who we already beat. If you guys recall, we defeated the Utah Jazz 112-100 to on January 6th. And now we're playing them. We're going to play the Jazz, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Los Angeles Clippers. Noting that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George just entered COVID protocol. I don't know what that means for, for us playing them on Sunday. Who knows if they'll be available. Yeah, no idea what know. the rules are. Haven't looked into them. So the Jazz, the Cavs, and the Clippers. Jazz in Utah, Cavs and the Clippers in New York City. So what is our prediction? Well, the Cavs beat the Brooklyn Nets twice in a row after James Harden joined the team. So I'm going to assume we're going to win that game. And we already lost to them pretty recently. Yeah, too, too so I, recently. I like that pick. Yeah. So we're gonna beat the Cavs, um, Clippers. Since we don't know what's happening uh, with those guys, I'll. Uh, I, it's hard to make a pick, but I'll I'll take the I'll take the win in the Clippers game. I don't care. Nice. We're amazing in afternoon games this year. And we beat we beat good teams. You know that's that's our thing. We beat good teams and lose to bad teams. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take a loss to the Utah Jazz. They're playing really really good basketball right now. Donovan Mitchell's one and two. Kenny with the first pick gets one and two. Tom, we'll let you go second because I know B, me and BBD I, already know the two I, real I, answers. I took two and one. Yeah, two and one. That's what I. Yeah, I got a little confused there. So yeah, Kenny took two Sorry. and one. So I'm gonna take one and two. Um, that's gonna be a loss. At the Jazz, that one just seems really tough. This has been a rough, um, I don't know. Last game of the road trip. 
Exactly. They just want to get home. Um, yeah, so and I'll take got, a loss to the Jazz. Austin Rivers doesn't feel like a savior anymore. The, the Cavaliers, <laughs> we've already played them twice, beat them on December 29th, and then lost to them January 15th. That's a lot of playing against the Cavs. Uh, I think we are going to beat the Cavs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep, so that's one and one. And then against the Clippers, um, yeah, I, I think we actually are going to lose to the Clippers. Hot take. That was kind of a hot take, I know, but I think we're going to go one and two, beat the Cavs. All right, BBD. Let's see what you got. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm kind of with uh, with Kenny on this one. I like. I think we're losing to the U- to Utah, the same reasons Tom said, because uh, I already like mentioned it when he was saying it that last game of the road trip, all that stuff. Cleveland, I, I don't see us losing. I mean, I'll, I can pick them. I can pick us to lose to them if you want me to just be different. But <laughs> I do think we win that game. And and the Clippers, I'd be worried about us facing them if they aren't going to have Kawhi and Paul George. I think there's enough prep time for that like a week away that we're not going to get like caught by surprise with that. All right. So we got we'll two. See a ge- it will, assuming they're not there, we'll have seen a game or two of them without him. All right. Do what he's got to do. So I'm, I'm going to go with the two and one the other way. With the, We're going to defeat Utah again. We're going to beat the Cavs again, and we're going to lose to the Clippers. So thus concludes. Thus concludes our predictions. Worth mentioning that the Clippers are in first place in the NBA, tied with the Lakers, and a half game behind them is the Utah Jazz. And they're a half game ahead of the Philadelphia 76ers, who are the best team in the East. Well, I think the Jazz lost to the Knicks earlier yeah. this year. So. Yeah, the Knicks, the Knicks beat good teams. Yeah. They beat the All Bucks, right. the Celtics. All right, time for everybody's favorite segment. Enough talking about the Knicks. What else is on? And this is this is particularly relevant because last night when the Knicks were playing and losing by 20, I literally turned the game off and went to my bed and turned something else on. I said, what else is on? So get us started, and what else? And what went, else was on? Went to my bed and watched Money Heist on Netflix, nice. which is in Spanish. And I don't speak Spanish, but... So you probably prefer, have no idea what's going on. I prefer Picking to listen up to... any terms... They say that it's better to listen to it in its native language and just read the subtitles. So I did that instead of the dub. It's been pretty good. Kenny you didn't do the recommended dub. it to me. I do the dub. Bozo did the dub. Bozo did the dub. Yeah, when I listened to it, I did the dub. Same with Dark. That's what he wanted to say. I don't know. I don't know. They say it's better. It's more cultural. Who's they? Who is I don't know. they? <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's it's just better to not understand what they're saying than to to know what they're saying. Mm. That's what they say. Mm. But anyways, so I'm watching Money Heist. I've actually had a big week of watching stuff. Money Heist. I, I was watching Crashing on HBO. I saw the first two seasons with uh, Tom's brother Mike. We watched that in our apartment, and now I'm watching the third season. It's a good show with Pete Holmes. That stand-up comedy. I. Uh, Started watching just today, Normal People on Hulu, Ooh. which was a Ooh. book that Tom put on in, on his 2019 Instagram post. So I was like, I gotta 
I gotta read this, but then I realized that it was a Hulu series, so I was like, okay, I don't, don't need have to, to read this. I don't have to read just this. Pretend just pretend you watch. That's huge. Thank you for plugging my Instagram post from 2019. Um, did you I, did you enjoy Normal People? Cause should I be watching this program? I, I really did enjoy the book. I only saw the first episode, and it was good. What's What's the synopsis on so on she's normal. like a nerdy girl and he's like a jock and then oh. Taylor's oldest time that's that's about all I got and I guess maybe when I read the summary in college they reverse roles and then crazy stuff I have, I have no idea I, I watched one episode you're asking me to give you the synopsis of the entire book mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'd suggest you go read my Instagram post <laughs> <laughs> So then I'll say, last of all, best thing I watched was The King of Staten Island with Pete Davidson. Oh, yeah. It's a movie. Good film. Good film. I haven't seen it. Is it is it funny? I, I heard it was kind of like dramatic and like maybe not as funny. There's some it funny is, stuff, but it's, yeah. it wasn't, it's also dramatic. It wasn't like goofy. It was funny. But you left. We could find something, some lines from it to text each other. Yeah, there's, sure. yeah. there's definitely some funny stuff in there, but I'd, I'd say it was... It was more dramatic than comedy. It's a dramedy. Okay. I, I mean, I like Bill Burr. Primary goal of the film. I mean, not I think laughter. it was. It was in the same genre as like this is forty. Mm. Yeah, I like, like that. A little heavy, but but still funny. Okay. And it also had Judd Apatow's daughter in it. Like this is forty. That's, that seems to be oh, yeah. her her genre. That's what she does. Her Movie, father's films. Movies that her dad directs that are drama. Nepotism. It's kind of weird because she's hot now. Hmm. I don't Who is she? She's 23. Cool. Sister. Okay. Maude. His yeah. sister. Oh, the sister. Or is that the oh, sister name? Yeah. yeah. Maude Apatow. I didn't realize that he was married Leslie. to Leslie Mann and that was her kids in the movie. That never occurred to me until like. Like, well after I saw the movie. I mean, I, I knew while watching the movie before the credits, I was like, is that, is that Judd Apatow's kid? I know what they look like already. Google search. Pretty good. So what else is on for everybody else? I feel like I just hogged it. Okay, I'm wondering how far into Money Heist you got and how what you think of it. Because I was a big Money Heist guy. I got Trace episodes in. Spanish for three. It was good. All right. I, I picked up a little bit while I was watching. Well, you watch something in Spanish for three hours, you, you can get a word out of it. Yes. So speaking of Spanish, I was watching Community. Mm. Oh, that's a very loose connection for, for people who have seen Community because I think it starts out, they're a study group for a Spanish class in a community college. And I've, uh, I'm pretty deep into the first season possibly into the second season i'm not really sure i don't know where it all divides but so far i've really enjoyed it um and i'm also doing before i've never watched it before no so it's uh yeah it's been entertaining and then in a similar vein maybe a little um lighter i'm also watching new girl both of them very light shows so yeah (laughs) so fun to watch uh, i mean community i I binged I binged Community at the beginning of the pandemic. I'd never seen it before, and I loved it. I thought, I mean, Donald Glover, yeah, just just crushing it in his role. And I don't know, Troy and Abed are, are are great. What the, a that combination is amazing. 
the, one of the best friendships in TV history right there. Yeah. And I I don't know. You said you're towards the end of the first season. Did you see the like mafia parody? Uh, I don't believe so. So maybe I'm not that far. I I, I have no idea where the seasons cut off. There was, um, there was a Christmas episode that I'm guessing wasn't actually the end of the season, but, but like they took a break and then the the next episode they were welcoming each other back. So I'm like, maybe that's the end of the first season, but I have no idea. I just keep watching. Yeah. Yeah, That's how I just keep watching. I remember watching that mafia parody. It's like a Goodfellas parody and just being like, this show is different than (laughs) like any other sitcom I've seen. It is so just, uh, self referential to pop culture and just, it's really well done. So looking forward to you getting deeper into that. Yeah. Um, It's been, it's been fun. And, and like I said, both, both that and new girl are very light shows, which has been, it's been good because, you know, like I said, at the top of the episode, it's cold outside. We can't do anything. So I, I've been keeping it light lately. BBD, what else is on? So, of course, I've been watching Gilmore Girls. I'm into season six. There's only seven seasons. So I'm getting down to the wire. Going well. Uh, I'm excited. But I, uh, the other show I've been watching, which I didn't really watch this past week much, uh, but I didn't get to talk about it last week because it wasn't on the show. Uh, I've been watching Your Honor on Showtime, and it's good stuff if you guys haven't seen it. Uh, it stars Brian Cranston, so he it's and it's got it, at times feels a lot like Breaking Bad. Uh, we've been John Boy's been watching it, uh, so me, him, and uh, Ant, who's an editor at the company, um, have been talking about it because all three of us have been watching it, and Katie's watching it too. The, the basic premise of the show is a judge played by Brian Cranston. His son uh, commits a hit and run and he, they go, he goes, they go to turn him in, do the right thing. And it turns out the, the kid he hit and killed is the son of the mafia, like boss in, in new Orleans. And mm-hmm. Brian Cranston, the judge is like, Nope, turn around. We're leaving. And so they gotta, they gotta navigate that and, and keep the secret. That sounds fun. It's I like don't a, have yeah, Showtime. The be... first two episodes are very, very intense. I will say that it's. I think it's a ten episode season. I can already kind of tell it probably should be eight, and it could have been tightened up a little bit. But the first few episodes, like really well done. It's like a. It's like a hit and run. <laughs> they, they're not even going to follow up on it because like the people are already dead. Police said that. Uh, <laughs> uh, Tom, what else is on? Yeah, so I, I don't have a ton. So I, a few nights this week, my father-in-law stayed with with us because when Rose and I recently purchased a car, and Rose's dad likes to be very involved in in this decision-making process. He loves buying cars. He has all these different tips and tricks for buying cars. So he was actually on his way to a car dealership to check out a car for us when he got rear-ended and his car got totaled. So he's now in his own process of looking to buy his own car. Part of that has been going to Bridgeport multiple mornings to check out this car. So we live close to Bridgeport. For that reason, he's been staying at our place a few nights this past week. So we're like looking for shows that's like it makes sense to watch with your father-in-law. And we've just landed on Seinfeld. Just, <laughs> we kept it simple. We're like, we're not going to push any envelopes here. We're not going to go crazy. We're going to just watch Seinfeld. So we watched 
No need to reinvent the wheel here. Right. We watched four episodes from season three, and man, it's just still holds up. We watched the Pez Dispenser. <laughs> we watched. Oh, it's so good. We watched the Letter, which the Letter is the one where um, Jerry's girlfriend paints Kramer, paints the Kramer, which just killed me. Like, oh uh, yeah. There's just a lot of good stuff. Um, the the woman who paints the Kramer, by the way, I don't know if you guys know this, is uh, Steve Carell's love interest in the 40 year old virgin. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess I'm I'm over here saying Seinfeld is still good. So nothing nothing crazy. Yeah, it's up. It's it good. I think I think the people have a lot of good stuff they can watch instead of the Knicks now. So <laughs> I think <laughs> we've done our job. We've done our job. So, thank you for listening. If you, if you did listen, um, leave a five star review if you feel so inclined. Um, follow BBD on on Twitter so we could get him verified. Thanks. Before follow, Jake optimally. Yeah. Be follow hilarious. the follow talking Knicks. I assume if you're listening to this, you follow talking Knicks. It'd be kind of crazy if if you didn't. But uh, what do you I got know? Twitter and the gram. So check it out if you're not if you're not doing that. Follow Tom on Instagram for book recommendations. Yeah, in twenty nineteen books <laughs> for twenty nineteen book recommendations. Gotcha. Yeah, that's what we got for you. So, I think the Knicks are going to be they're going to do better next week. So, go Knicks. Knicks tape. Knicks tape.